All right, the bomb video. We get the, the metronome. metronome. <laughs> we got a metronome count in. Boop, 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 and podcast. I was like, okay, so you're I Mr. Guess Q. You're Mr. Coop. <laughs> I guess we're gonna start. We can lay down the uh, the baseline first. So uh, on this cover of uh, "Take Care" by Drake, uh, <laughs> featuring only viola <clears throat> and spoken word. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Faking Nose Podcast. Welcome to the Faking Nose Podcast, everybody. I did not want to act that bit out. No, I didn't either. That I, I don't actually early. know it. Yeah, so that that wouldn't go off too go off too long. But you know early. what? We're not too early for is to talk about your recent trip. Oh my god! Oh my! Right oh my god! It. We are yeah, we are dude. jumping in. It is nine a.m. It is time to talk. Time to talk about your failures. About your failures. Your failures in life. How you are insignificant and oh my god, living oh my god, out they're here. The, oh, what the? It's the zombies. The zombies. It's the zombies. My, the zombies are here. See, it's gonna be hard. So they're testing the fire alarm in this building. Yeah. And I hope it picks up on the mic because otherwise, it just sounds like. Well, well, we always kind of sound kind so, of stupid. So we have to, every time the alarm goes off, we just got to freak out randomly about the zombies. Yeah, because I could cut it out, but I just I just don't want to. So, so speaking of cutting it out, your audition, take it away. Take the floor. Oh, ow. That, that was... That, like, oh. Just, well, that, you, got, you, had, you, you were stabbed in the dude, heart. it is you, still you so fresh. You were um, stabbed. We need, to, we need to work through this. No. It, it, so I went in audition for Seattle Symphony. Uh, it's my first professional symphonic audition. This is so the first one. The very first. Mm, wow. The very first. And I get it now. Like, I totally get it. I 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 get it. Um, and that's not really what I want to spend my life doing. I do like mm -hmm. healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> I Drew, do like. Drew 2020. I do like healthcare. I do like the the prospect of healthcare, dental, instrument insurance, you know, all that great stuff and a nice salary. But uh I don't know, there's there's a lot that goes into winning these jobs that I'm just unwilling to do. Like I would have to quit Instagram. I would have to quit this podcast like I would have to spend every ounce of my money to go and play for all of these different orchestras and all these different people. Oh, oh my, my God, God the Maddie, orchestras are here. Maddie. The orchestras so the are list, here. the list says we need to consolidate all our mushrooms. Okay. <laughs> Just get all the mushrooms. Okay, anyway. So <laughs> Yes. You continue. <laughs> That's transition noise. Um so yeah, man, I just really want, uh, I want to continue to grow this, this podcast. I want to continue to grow community. I want to continue to grow like this whole, this whole thing about forging your own path as a musician, mm -hmm. instead of trying to rely on the prospect of these really, uh, institutions. Few and far well, it's not, mm -hmm. the institutions aren't necessarily bad. They're, they're, they're weighty and they're unchanging in a lot of ways to their detriment. But I think that it's just more important to realize that even if they were really good, they're only going to be able to hire a certain number of people. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. What's next oh on the list? Marty. Marty. Oh, that was, it's too short. 
Yeah, it's okay. We're, we're, anyway, we're, it we're gonna, like we're, we're there's a lot a of places in the apartment. So. <laughs> Get the axe. <laughs> no, okay. Um, but what what I really really want to impress upon people is to understand that I saw some of the greatest players I've ever seen and heard them in the warm up room and like none of us got through. Like I, the pe- two people Isn't who that won, wild? I didn't. I never heard of them before. So. And there are only two, there were two jobs open, which is great, but that's two jobs. And you've got thousands of really qualified violists. And I, I, I see that as a fundamental problem in our culture, uh, where we, when we're, we go to school, we're taught to go for these jobs. This is it. Mm-hmm. But then it's just, it's kind of, at some point, it's not even worth it to pursue that and the energy required for that when you could build something else yourself and create a viable life. You bring up so many things that I think each, each one are their own podcasts of being able able to break down. Uh, And I just loved hearing you, you say that. And I've heard other people are kind of coming to this Mm -hmm. realization. So one is what goes into these types of prep, yeah. and then the 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 sidebar conversation is: even if you could, do you want it? Should you do it? Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, for an audition, mm-hmm. you know, hours of practicing. Now, you know, there's science. Not too many. You know, go in there, super efficient, three hours. Uh, mock auditions, this thing, that thing. Mm-hmm. But we've seen a lot of people who've won these auditions. Mm-hmm. Um, I respect and, each and, and respect, every one of them. And it's them incredible. So much more now. The, the de- yeah, the dedication like, it takes. But also, what... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Did you, did you get the pills? Did you get the pills? Do we have the pills, Marty? Marty? Okay. That's going to get so old so fast. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll make up a <laughs> new... Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, make, we'll, we'll just die next time. Yeah, yeah actually, we'll next, just cut just, the bit short. It's just... <laughs> there's just five minutes of silence with occasional fire alarm sounds or just like just like you're you're just what isn't talked about uh is is what's sacrificed and not only is it the practice thing so Mm. pull up your schedule find out four dedicated hours a day you you have to give up things in order to do that if that's not already a habit that's not my habit i would have to sacrifice things uh family fun uh internet (laughs) <laughs> well, actually, None it's not which. in that order it's just a different it's actually order. flip it yeah the other way yeah. reverse reverse but <laughs> the and that's but even beyond that so you're getting into like athlete territory like their lives are not their own yes they might only practice a few hours but you also have to structure your downtime really what you're eating uh your entire schedule mm-hmm. off the practice page is devoted towards winning is winning one of these things it and is, i've yeah. seen it like for instance you're a brass player it's like i must warm up every morning to be efficient i had one roommate who plays in the houston symphony great musician from my undergrad so pre juilliard days so he made it out doing very well great musician and i just saw what it took for him to get into one of these these bigger symphonies and it was a full dedication. He still had fun, still watched a lot of YouTube, would watch a lot of YouTube while warming up. Mm-hmm. But we, he would go to a party, an undergrad, have a great time, and he would leave in the middle of the party 
to go do his nightly like cool down and then would put put the instrument away come back and he would put a certain i can't remember if it was it wasn't gin um just some alcohol like on the lips at night like just kind of swish it around and ink the gums because some other person had done that mm -hmm. like all these weird voodoo things but the day was fully structured around his instrument in the hopes of just improving and to nail these auditions and it finally worked but it was years of this tough prep and then even more so when it came to audition time and we've seen mm -hmm. a lot of our string college colleagues the same thing so much time is put into this. There was a dude in my audition block who had taken 32 auditions. He was already playing Jeez. in the symphony and he had played in another symphony too, but he had done over 32 auditions. He had won two, he had won two jobs already. Mm -hmm. And he didn't get past the first round of this Seattle one. But it's so, mm -hmm. cr that's so, do you understand how crazy that that's is? That's crazy. He's won two auditions. He's done 32 of them and he still didn't get past prelims. And I was sitting here feeling bad. Now, <laughs> honestly, I, I played like shit. I played like so but bad. But that's going to happen. I went it's in gonna happen. and it's like I farted. <laughs> and then I left and like every, like all the proctors were smelling it and they could, they were looking at their feet. They were like, God damn. Was it curtained at all or no? Yeah, it was. And that's, that's, I hadn't played for a curtain since Laco. And you know what it is? The curtain fucks me up. Really? Because really, I like... To communicate Because to I play in subways. I don't get really nervous when I perform. But when you put that curtain there, it's it's like it changes the whole psychology. You can't... Like, you as a person have to try to not make any noise that may differentiate yourself between being a man and a woman. The people behind the screen are pretty far away. They do their best to try to not make noise. It's a very sterile experience where mm -hmm. at least my strength comes from connecting to people. And then it helps me focus on that instead of the straight precision of what I am about to do. Mm -hmm. But when you remove everything, it is only about the precise precision of what you do. And oh, it's kind of devoid. It's, just, it's of, a different skill. It's well, a different skill. And I'm not good at it. It's a weird skill, and I think we talked about this last time. So beyond what just goes into it and restructuring your life to get these, just like any other interview process, what's so weird is how different the audition process is from the actual process of being in an orchestra, mm -hmm. which is different from the actual process of making music. Uh, and that's probably the hardest part. And orchestras are talking about it. They're trying to figure out ways. It's not perfect. Uh, one to like increase diversity when it's all these dudes. So the curtain has helped in that regard. One, no, look, but I, yeah, I'm an advocate for yeah, sure. But yeah, the, yeah, the yeah, but yeah. the weird part is, is like that is the only time in your life like there is no you know there are humans in the audience. We are there are not curtains in the audience. That's Although true. maybe that could be our new angle. Oh. For musicians in all curtain audience. Oh yes, yeah, so it's a very audience, quiet. It's very there's no. It's very quiet. It's very quiet. They never clap between movements. <laughs> uh, they don't cough. They don't cough. Curtains they don't have cough. babies. They don't film you during your cadenza. Oh, God, God forbid they take their phone out during a performance and film and want to share what and want to share it and immortalize that moment. Disgusting. Forever. Despicable! How we dare should, they? We should put. We should start using our audience to block out sunlight and windows. We can transform our audience into curtains. 
okay, so get where, the New York film. Give me, shut up and take my money. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's so funny. Um, not dropping names. I'm not even dropping anything. But I've been speaking with people who are in, in administrative roles mm-hmm. in, in in symphonies, and they they just, especially people like around our age that kind of are millennials, and we understand. Uh, social media and where things are kind of going, but even less so because, you know, TikTok is like the the, big now. the Generation Z is really dictating, I think, where things are going. So I'm already old. But anyway, millennials are now old. Congratulations. See, Gen Z is trying to come take us down. That's where the alarms are. We're in the bunker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. The We're boomers, in the the boomers have lost it. Yeah. The bo- they've, they've executed Order 66. Boomers are trying to do TikTok now and like the world's <laughs> collapsing. <laughs> yeah. Like Albert, Albert Einstein came back from Big the bo- dead and was like, this doesn't check out. What <laughs> this the f- doesn't check out. I don't, this math doesn't check out. But uh, I think it's super important for us to realize that institutionally and i'm reading seth godin's book tribes right now Mm -hmm. institutionally not even just the classical music business but the music business in general has been raised by wildfires and is now starting to plant the seeds of a secondary succession and it's going to look super different it's going to look like streaming it's going to look like so many different things Mm -hmm. and a lot of the pillars that it relied on financially weren't pillars of culture. They were pillars of infrastructure that distributed, didn't really distribute the wealth. It actually brought it to a few key entities at the top and it was distributed throughout. But now with the internet, the democratization of both the creation, but also the dissemination of the media, bro, these structures aren't going to work anymore. And it comes with, they're not the the hard part and you see this not just in classical music but in other areas it's just you build up these industries people are grown into them they study it they get in there mm-hmm. it's weighed down by the craft but particularly classical music yeah. and really in the arts is there's mm-hmm. so much history behind it so there's baggage and they're run like older businesses and just not they're not really willing or able to change um, and it's also because it it's that thing most people bump into where it's just like, oh, I had to do this to get in, or it's just, it's the way it is. And people are, are openly trying to talk about how to actually change the audition process. But it is a tricky thing to where, to really know how someone's going to perform in a section. What do you have to do? You got to put them in the section. Mm-hmm. And when you have a hunt, you have a hundred people who could go in there and do that. How are you going to do that? Like, what What are you going to do? It's it's a How weird, tricky thing. Like, yes, at the top, and you, you bump into this too, and I just use, like, the NFL for an example. Uh, there's a recent quote they're talking about, you know, there's 32 professional teams, and they always say there's not 32 quarterbacks who can do that job, who can be the best of the best. And when you're in that top tier, I'm sure you can fight it down. But we've got a lot of orchestras... You don't need the absolute perfection for all these positions. and you've, But you've got this weird thing now that, for instance, look at the NFL now. If you, if you took the worst team in 2019, if you took the Browns, if you took the, the worst and 0-16 Cleveland Browns of 
recent past, mm-hmm. and you put him up against the Super Bowl team in the 70s, like, chill with the whole toughness or, no, that's just nostalgia. They would destroy them. Mm-hmm. College teams of this decade would destroy teams <laughs> from 30, 40 years ago because innovation those little kids, innovation, training, mm-hmm. or really a Pedi- lot of those Pedagogy. Two. Pedagogy. It's a lot of what goes in classical music. These, these people mm-hmm. studied what they used to do. They're coming in there stronger, faster, better. It, mm-hmm. Like, that's just how it would be. Uh, and we don't know how to adapt to that because we're we're holding auditions and now we have just a surplus of skilled talent where the average person uh, could come in there and crush that job. Uh, the Probably the best yep. example is the, yep. that's often quoted in books is the, like the times for the New York Marathon. Mm-hmm. The gold medalist of what, 1912, 1914, mm-hmm. whichever was the Summer Olympics, mm-hmm. the gold medal time would not qualify for the New York City Marathon. And those are amateurs going after that, Mm -hmm. casual runners. Mm -hmm. You would win a gold medal 100 years ago. You'd be the best in the world. It's so crazy because like now, I think it's it's a result of the success of the previous generation in, in terms of like how they've innovated the art, how they've learned how to teach it, that we have such a surplus of incredible players. Mm-hmm. But if you don't transform the infrastructure to like give those players jobs, they quit. Yeah. They go do other things. And wow. it's limited only to those who can, and we know some people like this, who can fund that gap because you're not, some people will be able to, as we talked about last time, to take advantage of the flexibility school gives you. And yes, I know you're in school right now. I know everyone, you're exhausted, listeners. But it's really tiring on the other side, too, because suddenly, yes, you're not having to deal with papers and other things, but you're dealing with taxes, which is a worse type of paper. Oh, my God. It's a paper that costs you money. Oh, my God. I still keep getting my my tax forms. Oh, no. Yeah. This should be it, right? It's seven more. What the? It's it's like Harry (laughs) Potter, man. And it's like reverse acceptance. It's just instead of like, hey, I get to go to wizarding school. It's like, dude, you didn't pay it. We didn't withhold taxes on this. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you're you're you're, you're on the hook for fifty yeah. percent, dude. I have I have like maybe this is not a flex, but I have maybe like three stacks in total in like just the bank, just in case I need to pay off. You have it. to, yeah. And I'm I'm seeing all these forms coming. I'm like, I oh, hope this is enough. <laughs> like I'm like, holy shit. Because this is the first oh year. The tricky part. It's I, just new. Tax out wise, here. I got yeah. It's different out here, but this is also my first year where I'm much more freelance than mm-hmm. W two to ten ninety nine. Because when I was multiply mm. employed in the education sphere, at least that was covered. So if sixty percent, fifty to sixty percent of income was already paid off, mm-hmm. and then I'd write off enough stuff, I'd still end up in the green. But this year, it's like eighty percent was not withheld. Mm. So I'm like. They're gonna start setting up the, money. The, I love those you. fire alarms. The IRS. They're just like, oh, Shiloh looked up when you when oh, yeah, did just, the kiss. He was yeah. like, what was just for like, me? Wait for treats. For it's me, like, Shiloh. Shiloh, you are. Yeah, that's for you. That's gonna, for you. I'm gonna write you off on my taxes <laughs> as a dependent. He's, he's big time dependent. <laughs> he's pretty pretty dependent upon you, bro. With these with these auditions, I mean, mm-hmm. so like we we've we've talked uh, briefly about just the the trickiness mm-hmm. of how we set things up to where again there are now. It is reverse supply and demand. We've got less jobs now mm-hmm. and an even greater surplus of talent, which 
they don't get to use, well, what's it going to do is it's going to wind up with people like you busting out to do other things. Oh, my God. Or they just quit. And most people yeah. quit. And they get Which also doesn't talk about. One thing that I want to definitely say is the reason why I'm doing these things and the reason... The, the things that enable me, it's not because of anything I learned at Juilliard. It's stuff I've read in <laughs> yeah. books. And and I learned right as I was about to graduate my, uh, I was like a junior in undergrad. I, I've told this story. I did, uh, I, I did this uh, affiliate marketing company called Vima. Mm-hmm. All that shit doesn't work. But shout out, that's how I met Gary Vee. And that's how I became aware of him. And writing, I'm making a point, Shiloh. Give me a second. Okay, so, <laughs> so I learned in, by just doing that. One thing that they always used to say, though, is leaders are readers. And that's actually true. So there's a lot of bullshit that goes with network marketing or affiliate yeah. marketing, all that stuff. But there are some truisms, and they're like, you need to continually educate yourself. You need to keep learning about your craft. You need to always pay attention because the landscape is always changing. And so getting, having that kind of switch flipped in my brain told me, okay, so I can't rely on anybody to give me the knowledge I need. Mm -hmm. I need to go find it. So what are people actually doing? They're looking at their phones. I'm just looking around. Just look. look, Oh my God, yeah. They're on the phone. Just look around you. Heck, look at them while they're driving. They're on the phone. Like, Literally. That's why you're honking the horn at that left turn lane. Because they're just on their phone. They don't They don't even know it, the light has turned green, right? So that's what we're talking about. Anyway, yet, so what's crazy about noticing that everybody's on their phone is that you see institutions like orchestras still not do anything about it or half-heartedly do something about it after it's established that social media is the thing. I really wonder why I haven't really seen anybody other than Berlin Phil, uh, and in some cases LA Phil, really give it, make social media and the internet their main thrust. Mm-hmm. That That's something that I just, I think they, the people that are making decisions aren't reading books. They're not figuring out what is still. And, and it, it's just, it's always similar to colleges and universities. I mean, like the, <laughs> one of the best examples is uh, Juilliard of just like being able to adapt. So traditionally, if you were, if you were there 10 years ago, you wouldn't hear, everyone always heard about it. they see successful alumni, but the school was not capitalizing on that. And a lot of other universities were, mm. you know, whenever, uh, whenever a student or a former student does something successful, they do what like any business job, would do, which is like, they do what any business would do. They brag about them. They promote customer, them. They wheel them out, yeah. bring them out, like mm-hmm. come back, you know, Oh, my time here. I learned so much. Me, 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 yeah. Me, the, me. the victory lap. Yeah. They, they victory <laughs> lap them. And, and well, you know, you know, we may, huff, moan, and groan, there's a reason why we do that. It works. It looks mm-hmm. good. You mm-hmm. want to, it makes everyone who went there look good. It makes, um, everybody who the current wants student to go, who wants to go there. Cause people win jobs that go yeah, here, right? They, they want to, they want to see the fancy stuff. And for the longest time, I kind of get like the old mentality of Julia, particularly for the actors. Like we always heard about the music, but the actors, mm. these people were going out there 
and we're winding up in all the movies mm -hmm. as either the A-listers, the B-listers, the C-listers. There are people, there's so many people who went through Juilliard that you just didn't know went through there. And that is kind of like the fault of Juilliard because yeah. what they did in, let's say, Gen 1 Juilliard, so like their first version of themselves mm -hmm. was to, you know, we're training these artists. These are artists. They come here, they learn the craft, mm -hmm. and they go out there on their own. And that was the mentality. And I could like kind of get that mm -hmm. in like 1850, <laughs> you know, when it's just, you know, like we, we're a stodgy institution, you know, what they do beyond there. And maybe some of it was just looking down on film. Oh, yeah. But, uh, or popular media. It wasn't as, yeah. it wasn't oh, as wise, I mean, you know, they're not, typical. they're not going on. Yeah, it's very that's typical. typical. Like yeah. it's weird to look down on, on these things, just on these st probably stable not getting, jobs, right? Yeah, like <laughs> on these like incredibly lucrative jobs. Mm -hmm. And so, not only are they losing out on all this promotional opportunity to benefit the school, uh, benefit the school. These mm -hmm. people, they're the ones who have the money. Mm -hmm. You know, you could you could promote all these musicians all you want. Not many of them are going off and pulling in, you know, uh, a list celebrity. I love how they money. ask me for money too. Yeah, oh, it's hilarious. Oh, it's just man. like, dude, I'm like, you, do you, I, I'm still paying for you. Yeah, it's like I can't <laughs> give to you schools. until I'm done like, paying for you. We would love it if they call me too. Like Julia doesn't. Julia, Julia doesn't call. Care. Yeah, yeah but, they know. They should know. It's. I mean, save their money. Funny. Why are you calling me? Like, One I don't, the I can't school do that like wasn't a conservatory calls me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> they send me emails all the time talking but about alumni like it's, so it's interesting it's it's so true and like julia i think what, one of the tricky parts is because it's a smaller school they don't have like like the institute the music school is probably not calling you it's the entire institution mm -hmm. there's just more funds that's how all schools work the business school the engineering school like they're creating people making wealth they're big who marketing companies yeah. marketing division they they for, they can devote money back yeah. that like juilliard is is very unfortunate to have. We're lucky to have such a huge endowment per student. Still think it's the largest per student. As it should be, man. I yeah. think that these institutions are also a little fat now. Yeah. Like, a little fat. But one of the problems is mm -hmm. that Julia does bump into is there is no uh, biz Julia Business School that, you know, 60% of the people are going to have a lot of money on Wall Street to be able to donate back to. Julia probably isn't generating much money from the alumni mm -hmm. because they can't because it's classical music let's and that's real. and that's that's yeah. harder that other universities uh like michigan will be subsidized by it's very successful business and other academic institutions that's how all institutions but does work. juilliard need the students to give back because no. they have they're in new york yeah financial capital so they're around people that can donate the David the good thing that Julia could do is if, is if they were they're, they're starting to do this now which is why it gets an interest of course it always seems like 15 to 20 years too late because they <laughs> they they it seems like they just like snubbed it or just didn't devote resources into keeping in contact with alumni uh particularly all these successful ones that could have come in and done that promo. And it's less about yeah. a Robin Williams giving them a stack of cash. Yeah. He did and could, but it's more of like, he's got a lot of friends who also have a lot of cash and everyone knows him and, lo and loves him. Mm -hmm. Like they wanted, that could be a great promotional material. And so it took them forever. And I love it when they really started to try was right around when we were there, mm. when they bring back Viola <laughs> Davis and uh, they're like, they're yeah. like, okay, like let's look out who's doing well. Like we could bring Adam Driver back. 
he's doing well, he's winding up in Star Wars, we could bring back. And they're like, wait, I know. Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Did they? Yeah. Well, so when they finally, that's just hilarious. And, and such when a, was this? Was this after? This is right. No, 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 no. This uh, is right. This is the year of. I just think it's funny that truly they finally decide that, that I don't know, like whoever's in that office. So like, it's time we make better connections with alumni. We bring them back. We we have them talk about it. They're going to promote our school. And they bring in Kevin Spacey a year before. Mm-hmm. He's, he's peak Kevin Spacey. Don't play it. You know, House of Cards. He's doing well. He's very actory. He's he's like their traditional mindset, but succeeding in the new medium. And then uh, Kevin Spacey happened. <laughs> and it's I, I just love that. Like it, they could have chosen out of one. There's like 50, 60 people on top right now. They could have brought back, and they chose the one person who was gonna just completely tank and like be untouchable in the field. I just I, I love but that. But you know you it's know so these funny. stories about these people also aren't like surprised. No. They've been told and they've been. And people just ignored yeah, it. People just ignored it. Yeah. yeah it's like, let's it's bring. So, but then when it's actually true, you're like, oh fuck. Let's we bring Levine back in here. Years. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and there's still people who are still surprised that uh-huh. they're still running around. <sighs> at the end of the day though, <laughs> the end of the day, I think that, and this is something for maybe our younger uh, mm-hmm. listeners or younger uh, people who are in school or about to go to school. Um, your social capital is your most important thing. Oh my gosh. Listen the, up. Like when you, when you take care of people that you go to school with, when you're a nice person, when you're generous with your time, you're very generous with your criticism when it's asked mm-hmm. and you're honest and, and you, you you really care about the collaboration when you are that type of person that 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 spreads like people people really people love and they know and they talk about it how many times have you been told by a colleague oh my god jennifer in rehearsal today just would it i i can't stand i can't stand working with her she's just she always shits on my intonation she's always telling me i'm doing stuff wrong i can't stand it only you look bad in that situation. Literally, like that gets around, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe it doesn't get back around to you, but it sure enough gets around. I but, know yeah. specific people that because of that attitude, I just not appealed to work with. Because whenever you do that, of course, what's the first thought? What do they say about me when I'm not around there? And that's something I experienced with like my high school, it's like a group of high school friends. Uh, I just started notice in typical high school bro fashion, you know, you're always just crapping on the person out there mm-hmm. and give them a hard time and ribbing them and ho, 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 ho. But it just more and more dawned on me as you get older, it's, I'm, I started to phase them out. Like nothing that's wrong with them. They've all gone on and done well. But I just realized how we, how you, yeah, how you treat someone who's just not there or a, a not a player in that moment. Uh, is probably oh, yeah. how you're getting treated. And I just, Ooh. I knew, I'm like, they are just giving, me, I was like, I know they're just ribbing me, giving me the same heart, saying just like mean, <laughs> terrible things, not to me. Uh, and it makes sense because we were doing it about each other. Like, why would I be any different to them? It's the same treating, you know, being mean to wait staff, being mean to any of this. Like, it doesn't, it mm. doesn't help you. You look bad. And I just want to piggyback immediately off of what you said. Mm-hmm. The most important thing, the social capital is your yeah. friends and colleagues. Mm. Uh, yeah. what was the cheesy quote: 
you know, the friends me, you know, the most important thing in the journey is the friends me made along the, along way, the way, which is funny, but actually that, yeah, that's, that's true. A, that's so that's true. actually the it's most true. cliche because it's true. I figured that out when I went to, I'm glad I at least got to see that kind of early. Uh, and then I go through my undergrad and I worked hard. I had to catch up. I was very behind musically and I didn't hang out with a lot of people. And mm-hmm. there's very few people I can point to or still speak to there. And it's not that I had problems, I wasn't like mean to anyone, I didn't like burn many bridges, but I just, I didn't interact. I didn't make it a point to really make friends, to hang out, to do non-music things with mm-hmm. people. And I regretted that. And at least I found that out early over the course of a couple months before just going immediately into grad school that I was determined. I went and stayed in a dorm because as a composer, you don't get to meet as many people. You don't go to orchestra. So I go and I make, I'm like, I will, we will fork up the dough to stay in a dorm <laughs> just so I can be around other people because I knew, yeah. I knew the, and why I really chose Juilliard. Besides like the name's sexy, you get to be in New York, that's, that's really appealing. But I knew from my undergrad uh, that I had realized it's the people, that is the most important thing. No teacher, no name of institution, no class is going to be more valuable to you than the person sitting to your left or your right. They're the ones, they're the future. Yeah. Uh, they're the ones who give you the gigs. Mm-hmm. For, for film music, like the quote is, it's like you don't wanna, don't go up to Steven Spielberg and ask to do a film. You want the next Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. And that kind of rings true with any of these, any of these people, anyone in that room, uh, in your classroom, uh, in your recent job, whatever, they your they are they are more they are more likely to help you than your professors, anyone else. Because think about it, your, in, your investment into that some person your age, odds are they're there the rest of your life. Your professors won't always be there. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with their own things. They're dealing with lots of other students. Mm-hmm. But that classmate, and particularly, it's not always your close friend. It's re- actually I'd say less likely. I've gotten more oppor- good opportunities from acquaintances who just merely know I exist. Mm-hmm. That's really rung true for me. And all I was, was I was in their mind, but we weren't close, we weren't hung out. I just wasn't a bad person to them. <laughs> and- That's all it takes. Yeah. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Bro. <laughs> bro, bro, put and, that dick know, way. Even more than just like, but see, there's also this level of, um, you know, because we're classical musicians and we do, even though, yeah, I'm a string musician, I hung out with people more. Mm-hmm. Like, it still sucked because most of those people, the only time they saw other people was orchestra. Was, yeah. <laughs> they, they still, so social skills, nobody is really, like, really packing in social skills. And I think that one thing that is super valuable is get some social skills, bro. Like, if you're out Work there on- and you just, if you're a little, if you're afraid of social interaction, it's okay. That's normal. Um, it's like performing. You have to just do it more. And I really recommend just learning how to talk shit, dude. It's so much more fun. It's so much more fun when you could just be silly. Like, I think one of the things that really bothered me a lot with going to conservatory and being around classical musicians is that they don't, they don't like it when you're silly. They don't like it when you don't take things seriously. I think it might be actually my... Bro, I think we're both in a similar boat, and like, I think it's a a net good, but it caused some problems because I'd go in there, just laugh off. Yeah. I when the last time I took an audition, it wasn't as big of an uh, audition as you took, but still like a regional professional uh-huh. orchestra, and I'd done well the first two or three excerpts, and then I fracked on the 
<laughs> no, it's like you, you leap, I leapt up the D flat. I never miss it. High notes are a strong suit of mine. And I, and, and so like, I naturally like got cut after that. And I walked up and I like laughed because I thought it was hilarious. And so I like chuckled like as I'm walking out there. Yeah. And so, you know, other people be traumatized, but I'm like kind of like, Laughing yeah, yeah. out loud. And I know they heard that behind the curtain too because the door wasn't closed yet as I left. And I'm like laughing. I'm like, oh, God. Wow. <laughs> and I'm saying stuff like that. And, you know, everyone else is like, oh, my God. This is unbelievable. It's disrespectful. I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, guys, did you hear that? And I know they did. Yeah. Well, humor and laughing. Humor and laughing is an important mechanism for cutting tension. Mm-hmm. And like when you are dealing with art artists, it's very tense because everybody's ego is on the line. Their ideas are connected to them. And so many people, if you don't like their idea, they equate that to if you don't like them. You don't like them, which is very That's hard. That's so tense. That is very so tense. Hard. It's very combative. So how do you fight that sort of inclination? You make jokes. You make fun of yourself. If you mess up, mm -hmm. you're like, man, that was garbage. Mm -hmm. And you laugh it off yeah. because they know that wasn't your intent anyway. Yeah. And so they're more likely to realize, oh, when I work with this person, it's not a, it, it's not yeah. that serious. Yeah. We can, this is a safe space to. The the to best grow. way to look at it is, yeah. of course, there are like problems with like self-depreciating humor, which are deprecating humor, which I have self-depreciating. I'm just like slowly getting smaller. It's just um, shitting on yourself just, all but, day. But uh, <laughs> self-deprecating humor is that. You know, it's, it can be a defense mechanism, but there are some values. The The real perk is if you can lean into it, like, as honest deprecation and just, like, acknowledging the lack of seriousness in in that particular space because things are taken way too seriously. We're so close to the art or so close to the music. It is such a personal thing oh to, to take out, step out on a stage, to sit in a room and try to create these sounds. It's really personal. You've put time into it. Um, there's there's just a lot of baggage coming in there. But to just be reminded that we are just making music here. Not to make light of it, but we but we are just making music. We're not a it surgeon. To make, I'm not gonna life. kill anyone if you like no one dies if you miss that note. Bro. No I, one dies if you miss that note. I had a conversation with a symphony musician mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not dropping any names. But they they were playing the solo in Dvorak eight, and mm -hmm. it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. Look, I went to Juilliard. I know what I'm talking about. I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not a, a lay person. I understand the minutia and the nuance of Pics, intonation. Picks of his degree in the description. For <laughs> look, okay, but yeah, like I'm also just not as high strung as a lot of uh, pun intended. High strung as some violinists and string players and things like that. Like they they were so they were like, I was so out of tune. I was like, oh. Yeah, they and I'm like, are you are you are you it's it's a pathology at that point. I really believe that. I think that that could lead to depression. So I think that Well it be, does. <laughs> and, and when so being self-deprecating is valuable, but to a certain point, then it's it's not helpful. Well, yeah, and it's, it's and that's even getting out of like the self-deprecating humor, but like yeah. self-criticism. Yeah, in that we do need to remind yourself, like this is just music. It's just, it's just music. music. It's just and calm and that down. applies to almost everything. Unless mm -hmm. you're doing surgery, you know, and somebody's gonna die. Yeah, unless like life is actually on the line, uh, 
it's it's okay to make mistakes. And I mean, we it's just striking the the um, effective balance between seeking this perfection and trying to improve. This is something Bad Stacks talked about. Actually, several of our musicians came on. Uh, Jenny, uh, like we, we were trying to find a way to strike that balance between aiming still towards being better, mm-hmm. the hypothetical perfection. Uh, even if that's not our end game, we want to improve. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. We want to improve. Why, that's while, why I took this but, audition. But while being yeah. honest to ourselves and allowing ourselves to to fail, to understand that things happen, like it's weird that in sports and all these things, we're just so demanding others' perfection when it's impossible to have. Uh, in football, you will not all the throws will work. Basketball, not all the foul shots will dra- drop. You're going to seek that out. Yes, you can be bummed, but if you miss one, if you miss a game-winning shot, statistically, that was going to happen. You will not make 100% of those shots. You should take the shot. You should be happy you did, but you should also be understanding uh, to what factors go in that it didn't work out. And to to be ac- to be honest with yourself isn't to be like, like brutally honest in a sense to where, yeah, maybe that one note was slightly out of tune, but the honest thing is like how much went right and also did that one note being slightly out of tune, did that actually matter? Does that make this a horrible performance? And we see this all the time too when people come out there and they're like, I just bombed that audition. They're, they're, they're couching it. They're couching the, the failure. When people have gone it, they bombed it and then they win like young concert artist or CMA grand auditions. We know people, they're just like, I'm quitting tomorrow. It was, it was bad. And then they won the thing. Like then it makes you question. Um, yeah, I, th- I think what, what's important is, I, I think people don't want to feel or exude confidence in themselves because mm-hmm. there's a lot of failure. A lot of, yeah. There's a lot of failure. And there's also like, that, that's a good point. There is a lot of failure that happens, but the failure is relative. And the higher you get into it, the more complex you start getting the more parameters for fucking up you can have in your own head. Mm -hmm. But the end result is very, it's altered very little. Mm -hmm. So what I think is important is also recognize when you're, you're being too hard on yourself. The one thing I do want, this is, is a fire alarm. Oh baby. Oh my God. The boomers are getting closer. They're they're getting close. Oh my God. Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 <laughs> Mr. 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 Boomer is not here. Me, Mr. Boomer. Me, millenn- millennials not here. <laughs> no millennials. <laughs> I that I love I love Consuela. That's such a She's fun my character. Such a good character. Yeah, man. I, I I love this conversation though. I don't think this is had enough. Because uh, we 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 keep, we do circle back to it, and I, it's, we're going to keep circling back to it because uh, it's important, and we have important. to fight it. And so one thing that I wanted to say off of that last, you you're relating into sports, like hitting the winning shot um, at the buzzer, the buzzer beater, being clutch. Yeah, I mean, that's important to be able to do. But also when you go in baseball, if you bat a 300, you're a Hall of Famer, bro. Yeah. That's 30%, of, that's you missing 70% of the time. And- It's a great point. The, the minutiae of music, it, and the, the the difficulty of playing a string instrument, just holding it, like going on Instagram and just looking at people, players around the world really changes my perception of how bad I actually am. 
<laughs> in not a bad way. It just yeah. puts context. What we do is so hard, but everybody I, I surround myself with can at least basically hold the instrument and play relatively in tune and with some nuance. But the people that win these jobs get, it is so, it is so beautiful and, mm -hmm. and it is so like, they're so high on the level of craft that, I mean, so the, the percentage of people that have achieved that level of ability in history is, 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 is just like not even 1%. It's, it's, it's yeah. in the decimal points of percents. So feeling bad not being in that and among that realm of achievement, I think we need to be kinder to ourselves. And I need to be kinder to myself in terms of that. I, I totally agree. Because I, I feel emotionally I mm -hmm. that I am a terrible violist. I'm unworthy of being a professional and anybody who pays me money is a dumbass. Like that's how, <laughs> that's that's emotionally what this audition made me feel initially, initially. But when I begin to rationalize and I think rationalize is the wrong word. When I come back to reality, mm -hmm. I I I feel a little bit better. It's also a weird so bringing back like the the marathon metaphor, the sports metaphor, all of these mm -hmm. what's also part of like accepting and embracing the actual reality of the things going off what you just said and tying these together, the, the skill level, you are a better player than some of the best in the world 50, 60 years ago or whatever it is, whatever that number is. And the, one of our tricky things that we deal with now, particularly in the social media age uh, and just our global, global age in general is Comparisons. That's how we we do everything in sports. It's like who's the greatest basketball player? Comparison, compare. Entire shows just fill up time for months during the offseason and during the season. Just we will never hear the end of it. We will always hear about Michael Jordan for a hundred years because comparisons, comparisons, comparisons. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's hard to do is is exist in this world now where there is so much skill uh, and level of achievement across the board mm -hmm. that you know, like thinking to where you actually are in just the grand scheme of history is just an incredible level of focus and achievement and accomplishment for your age musically. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is or the hard, the hard part of it is also getting closer to the, the top, so to speak, like going to these institutions like a Juilliard, being a working musician in a New York City and in L.A., going to take these big auditions, mm -hmm. having friends who win these things, knowing mm -hmm. uh, one thing that I actually found was hard and kind of still takes me time to get over is that the closer you get towards the top, so to speak, the harder it is, the mm -hmm. steeper the mountain is. Mm -hmm. And mentally it's harder because you get to see the comparisons. So before, yeah. when, when I think about my North Carolina self composing, it was tricky, but I, I could get in there and do it. And it's because I didn't know what I was up against, um, so to speak. I didn't know what else was out there. It was a little more freeing. But the harder part of then going into New York is suddenly you're you're around the winners. You're mm -hmm. talking to the winners. Uh, you see them. You're getting closer to the sun, mm -hmm. and it's getting hotter. Mm -hmm. It is very easy to su succumb to that pressure. Uh, 
be, be to to know how either how much further you need to go or just what it takes to get there. It's crippling. It's, yeah, it's crippling, and it just becomes even more personal because you're you're witnessing it live. It's getting better is and seeing this quote unquote perfection, seeing the competition is no longer an abstract concept. You're meeting the greats, you're studying under the greats, you are friends with the greats, mm-hmm. and you're teaching future greats. And you're surrounded by so much talent that you you seek into it. You you start to feel much lower on like the, the on the mountain than you actually are. Bro, you know it's also teaching me too. It's like, I don't want to just play classical music for the rest of my life. And I think, like, when I look on stage, like, that's what a lot of people do. Or at least right now, I'm, 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 I've been doing classical music for 17 years. I'm get I'm getting a it's it's been a lot. That's a that's a lot for your whole life to be classical mm-hmm. music for 17 years. That's a lot. And I'm a person who likes balance and I'm curious and I like other things. And so practicing excerpts instead of practicing my scales and and practicing improvisation, that was, I was getting better at the antiseptic technique Mm -hmm. and execution, but I felt like my creativity was being starved. And I was really, (laughs) I I was losing a lot of happiness and joy in my instrument where I was getting it from like pursuing hip hop and learning jazz and, and trying to really understand this other side of my brain. And I think ultimately the type of player I want to be is more like a Miguel Atwood Ferguson, Atwood Ferguson than, than uh, a Cynthia Phelps. It, it this is, it's great. Cause <clears throat> like the, if you guys listen back to the previous episode, um, which I, we know you have because you're all very, very loyal listeners. I love you. By we the love way. you guys I, 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 for real. God. Like, the if I could give you a five here. star, I would, but we can't. So you got to give us. We're five almost stars. a year, bro. We've almost been doing this for a Dude, year. That blows my mind. Almost yeah, because we're in the thirties. We're in the mid thirties of episodes. Yeah, like this. This should be like thirty seven or thirty eight, yeah. man. It's jeez, that's kind of wild. Yeah, isn't that? That's nuts. Too. We'll come back. Yeah, we'll come, but but. It's it's nice seeing with that previous episode, like all of these thoughts kind of leading into going and doing an audition and then coming back immediately after recording another pod. And yet we're still having a very similar conversation and r- realizing one thing that we struggle with. And I don't I don't blame music institutions because, you know, their job is to teach you very specific things about music. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, we you, you know, that kind of going in, it's kind of like. Uh, you don't go to school to study chemistry to also learn marketing, even though that's super valuable. You know, you paid money to go to chemistry. Why do why do we necessarily like ask that that become a critical part of music, even though it is valuable to the industry? It's a tough balance for schools to figure out. But one thing I think for us and that it took forever to realize is that we just like doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Music related and not music related. Mm-hmm. I do give credit to our experience at Juilliard. I would not have known that I liked working with people mm-hmm. on, on <laughs> art. I would not know. I like yeah. I like people. What? Yeah, like I, I like people until Juilliard happened. I would not know that. And you think that'd be the last <sighs> place for you to like like people? Mm-hmm. But I had, That's... of all things, a class choreographers and composers, and I go in there and I just had an incredible experience working with this choreographer, and it was. It's not really talked about, you know, like taking for composers, the 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 problem for composers often is like even though we know we need to work with something, we know it's 
not true, but you know, we build up this this genius model that you go away in the room that it is purely your ideas. Your con- we like creative control. It's why people don't wind up in other fields. Uh, it's why other things are looked down upon. But I I went into this choreographers and composers class where in the end you wind up with a couple performances. You work with the choreographer, and then it's set to dancers, costume lights, and I just went in there and I was like, I'm going to take this very seriously and take the collaboration seriously. And what that meant was I was fully willing to give up control on things, to take someone else's input. And it was, instead of a terrifying experience, it was like a liberating experience. Because for the first time, I had someone else kind of going in and making important decisions. I remember I walked into there, I had written up a really long three-minute sections just building and growing and it's all beautiful and what had happened i I take it into my choreographer you know it's been a long time on this i've been thinking about it i was just very proud and the choreographer's just like oh i really like this what if this was what if this was the beginning i'm like what (laughs) i'd structured all of this no that's a terrible idea and then and then two seconds later you know i think about it that was the best idea for by by the piece, and he was just casual, like you know, what if this is the beginning? Mm-hmm. And then it started, I completely flipped it around, you know, all the intellectual structuring and stuff behind. But at first, you were like, oh, I was you like, were taking it, but you were like, what the fuck yeah. do you mean? I was just like, just what make this the beginning? What I was like, what are you talking about? But like lots of things like that, we like clicked on the same page. I just I loved working with this pe- person, this dance, and it wound up just being my best piece that was the most successful, even awards. Awards wise, from an academic standpoint, and it was the one I had the least control over. Mm-hmm. I had entrusted the artistic core of it and a lot of the ideas to someone else. And I liked that actual collaboration, not writing a piece and then having someone set to it. That's not really a collaboration. No. The only that's difference. More of a dictatorship. The, yeah. yeah. Well, the, <laughs> the, the, but that's traditionally how a lot of those things go. It's, yeah. it's like you make some tweaks based on their idea, but. Um, I just don't like doing that because I'm it's, I'm barely different than you playing some like dead composer's piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only difference is you can call me and I can make a tweak here or two. And if for the old dead composers, you you just make the tweaks yourself and don't call anyone. Uh, there's very <laughs> that's not really that's not necessarily a collaboration. I want to have direct Im- impact uh, from the other person and and to hear their input and to take it seriously and to really open up risk. I think that was the one thing that was freeing that even ties back in towards this audition thing mm-hmm. and kind of the downside. But me that, me working with other people mm-hmm. is how I introduced risk and flexibility. I get their new ideas. I would do things that my traditional music training and my music ear would not dic- let me do. Mm-hmm. Structurally, formally, whatever it is, ideas. The idea of having three minutes of almost the same stuff is worthy of alarm. <laughs> but... <laughs> But nice. they um great pun. They they came in there and they they just you know simply dropped a little idea. Just like hey, what if they incepted into my mind this thing, and I took their advice. And sometimes it's it's not worked out. Sometimes I've given up too much where I probably should have played. Finding that balance, but I I I never never really regret that. I'm glad when I get to work with other people, and that's something I learned from Julia and had that experience and have done so ever since. It's what's led me to do all these other types of music and I like it because other people are involved and they get to have a say and help guide me and it just helps me open up, take the risk, take chances um, and it's improved 
my art. Mm-hmm. One of the problems with FBI. Um, one, I, yeah, go ahead. one thing that, so we had to pause because the, the boomers finally made it inside. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> the one downside, and you can speak to it, and you kind of alluded to it with the audition, is it it encourages limiting one of what I think is the best things about music uh, is risk. Some of the best performances I love were risky. Uh, and in the audition thing, you know, you... You want to show your musicality, but there is a box to it. You need to mm-hmm. nail this excerpt in this way, and you're you're going to be playing in a section in a group. They need to know that you can fit into that section, that you can adapt within there. But some of the most enjoyable performances, uh, pieces, almost anything in life, took a risk. And the problem with risk is like you fail a lot of time. It's the game-winning shot. It's the trick play at halftime, and auditions aren't encouraging that. They, they they don't want the most wild out there. They, they don't want someone who's too perfect and boring. They want something musical, but they're not looking for you to provide your own true interpretation on Shahrazad to where you go off to town. And I always thought that was the, one of the hard, something I give him credit for, but the hard part for my pursuing professor who I love, one of my lifelong mentors, and I give him a, a lot of credit for it, is he took musical risks. And what came with that also is probably not opportunities to play with the biggest groups. He was telling me, he always told me about his time in the audition circle. And he was talking about, you know, you spending, you kind of build a community. You'd see each other, you're rooting for each other in the end because you'd see these same bassoonists at all the big auditions. And there was some camaraderie in that, there's a lot of stress. And he got incredibly close, second in one of our top five orchestras. And it's kind of wild to think how different his life would have been had he been playing as a principal in one of these institutions. It was the Philly Orchestra. Mm-hmm. He's number two. Mm-hmm. You know, think about it. He could be teaching at Curtis afterwards, internationally renowned, great player. Two in the finals, and they took the other one. How close you can be, even to be at that level, to then wind up still teaching and playing all over and having a great life, you know, by all mm-hmm. manners. And but one of the things I always thought that just put him in put him in trouble. And I go see him perform, and he put on some of the most just incredible performances that I thought were world class of solo pieces of all these things. But he took the risk. He plays loud. He's a loud bassoonist. You don't get those. He he'll go into the danger zone, and with comes that is errors and mistakes. But he, he at least put that onto me as a performer, too. And I knew I wouldn't be doing the orchestral route. Uh, but in all these solo works, these new music works, these, these things, he's just like, whatever you do, he's like, don't not take a risk. Like, go for it. Sing on this thing. Frack that note. Don't laugh on your way outside the audition, which I did. <laughs> but the auditions, you don't get to really show that. It's not, you're not meant to. And yeah. that's why I think it's just not my my place. And I'm okay with that. I, I just want to shake that. I just want to shake that feeling that I'm 
not that I need to be good at that. Mm-hmm. And because like here, here's the thing that I kind of realized is like everybody has their strengths. Everybody has their strengths, and it's important to play to your strengths. And following orders and doing things conventionally is not a strength of mine. I I just don't. If I don't agree with something, I, I yeah. want to do it my own way. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Yeah. So it's just not there for me. And so I'm happy things kind of didn't work out. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the knowledge. I'm grateful for how much better I've gotten. Uh, and I'm grateful for how it enhanced my perspective on what I really want to be doing. And it's the reason why I moved to LA. And number one, yeah, I don't want to lose it. I don't want to leave LA right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I got you, man. And I, I'm making friends out here and I just played the Grammys. Hard emoji. So it's like, there is a lot of fluctuation and maybe the fact that I'm not strong at orchestral playing, strong at orchestral auditioning. Strong at pulling fire alarms. Yeah, <laughs> I'm very strong at that. Been doing it do all the fine, up, Do bro. the fine stack, <laughs> like if you keep pulling the fire alarm back to back to back, yeah, is that I, a... Is there like a limit? Like, I like sure it's like hope so. five times within an hour, that's the fee. I'm going for the world get, record, man. Get, I sure hope so. <laughs> most most fine single person and get the most fines for pulling fire alarms. Yeah, I wanna be immortalized. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, man, it's it's I'm glad for the experience. I wanted to say something um based off of the conversation we were having earlier about institutions. Uh, and about schools principally. And we on this podcast talk a lot about how schools aren't doing enough, how schools are failing. But I also wanna play devil's advocate to that because I think that I, I am so grateful for the schools that I went to. I'm so grateful for the knowledge and the ability and the confidence and the experience and the connection and the way it stimulated my brain. I, I'm so thankful for that and that is so worth it. However, um, I think it's unfair um, on the, yes, they, a lot of schools don't do a lot of things right, but it's unfair to expect them to be everything. The problem is they're so fucking expensive. They, mm-hmm. they, the value proposition feels like it should give you everything you need, but it doesn't. <laughs> and so that's why there's a lot of these feelings of anguish once you finish because you know, now you're in debt. Yeah, and it's, you wake up the next day, and it's still you. It's still it's still eating you. So what what I think is important to, to to pass on is like you when you go into school, when you are investing in school, because that's what it is. It's investment. It's investment until we elect Bernie or something. <laughs> like we need to realize that it won't be everything, and we can't expect it to be everything, and to use it as a tool to kind of figure out what direction are you going to fire into? Are you going to do the orchestra? Then you need to tailor it to your, tailor it to your way. But when I was Make in school- Make school work for you. But I never took, I skipped all the orchestra excerpt classes because it didn't interest me. I was going and watching covers on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I was going and making covers on YouTube. I was learning how to do photography and videography. Like, my interests were already going in a different direction. So for me to like then dial it back and try to like go for an orchestra job, it's kind of like somebody who's been doing orchestral excerpts all day are now trying to vlog on their cell phone. 
It's just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a different it's skill. It's, yeah. and, and it takes while I, while they were developing their audition skill, I was developing another skill. Uh, uh, so we I talked about, and I'm going to tell the full story, but I remember in my undergrad, a lot of composers were very good at electronics. It's ar- ironic now that I use a lot of them in my, my music, but I knew almost nothing. I was a performer. I wrote for instruments. I don't know how to, didn't know how to do Max MSP avant-garde programming. And just one of the students um, was incredible at it. I thought his music very interesting. It's like highly technical. There's microphones everywhere, set up crazy computer processing. The music was beautiful. It was like auto-generating things off of what people play. Um, but I just remember being like, you know, how did you like learn all this? And, you know, I was like, I, I, I need to know all these things. And he was a grad student. He just looked at me. He's like, was like, yeah, but it's like all the time I spent learning this, you spent like understanding instruments, knowing the ranges of the clarinet, how, what, how's, how to orchestrate something. Mm-hmm. And he's just reminded me, he's like, don't feel guilty. We all put our time in doing something. We won't be the best at it. And mm-hmm. also follow what you put time into. And what you talked about directly alludes to some of the things we've already talked about uh, prior episodes and in this episode about school won't be everything for you. You can't expect it to. It's it's the, all of these marketing things and promoting yourself and life things and finance, everything is a part of a music career, mm-hmm. but music is part of the music career. Mm-hmm. And at least that school is good at, is pretty good at that aspect of mm-hmm. getting you ready for some elements of, the music sphere that you can't you can't quite get from YouTube yet, mm-hmm. um, at least mm-hmm. to that level. And it's weird. I don't hear a lot of people in other degrees give as much beef to their institutions like the arts give to, like we give to music degrees. Um, it's just like why didn't why didn't I learn learn about how to run a business in music school? Why didn't I learn how to start an opera? Why didn't I learn all these things? But it's weird because think of how general and broad a biology degree is. And unless you go into more school and want to be a PhD in biology and teach, teach more academics, it's not a lot you get in there um, directly. I don't hear a bunch of biology students calling up their biology school, like, why didn't you teach me how to run a business? Why didn't you do this? Ah. And, and they, they don't because <laughs> they don't look stupid. They're like, I didn't go there to learn. I learned the specifics of the science. Mm-hmm. And almost everyone who gets a biology degree is not going to be doing something that has even biology in the title. Unless they're going to more school. And not everybody's going to be yeah. an Instagrammer of Not Robert, everyone's going to so. be that. Like, it's it'd be yeah. nice if they offered the options, but it can't be expected uh, for it to work out that way. And other mm-hmm. people don't seem to be complaining about their degree. The chemists aren't calling back up, be like, hey, you didn't prepare me to do my job, which is all computer-based, which is pretty much what happens. Even mm-hmm. all these engineering students, they go in there and they learn all these specifics about engineering. What are they going to do when they graduate? They're going to sit on a computer. They're not building boats no. out of concrete, you mm-hmm. know, like doing little science projects. No, they're on a computer like everyone else. And accountants... Even that, I asked my Shout accountant out to all friends. These accountants, yeah, I, I talked to them, the, and I I'm like, y'all. I'm like, hey, like, how much act of the things you learn in school? How much of that actually are you using? Like, from the numbers perspective, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, like, maybe less than ten percent. Even something a very specific degree. Are they calling up their accountant at school and being like, complaining about? It? Like, no, no, they go they're there, making money. They feed, <laughs> no, they don't. They call them up and they're like, hey, I'll I'll donate you money. Hey, um, yeah. uh, but but it's it's true. It's weird that we give such beef to our inst- institutions. Maybe it's 
it might be because the institutions still play such an important role mm-hmm. in what we do. That might be it. Like post school, odds are you will be involved in school. You're sending your kids to school. You're teaching at the school. A lot of classical music is still supported in institutions. Mm-hmm. That yeah, now that this is what happens, guys. We but figure out so stuff small. online. It's but so compared small. to most people in business. Very little, if none, of the rest of their life will have any interaction with the school afterwards until they're 30 years down the road and they're buying a wing on it. Uh, but I think what, what our community I, is more connected to the institution. I wanted to delve in because you have touched on that with your biology example and mm-hmm. your, uh, your accountant example. I think that even broader in our classical music sphere, it's too narrow. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we talk to musicians that aren't classical musicians enough because there are way more of them. And there are a ton of them that are successful. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, um, and I've learned this going to Nam and learning about and, and meeting all these heavy metal violinists oh, yeah. who are sweaty. Beasts. They're so sweaty. They're so good. We've had one on the podcast, Matt Bell, great example. Like, very successful musician who's toured, who's made a lot of money, he's supported a family, he has kids, albums. they're not starving, he's putting out albums. Look, Owns this is possible. It's not being taught in the classical music realm how mm-hmm. to be self-sufficient. I'm not saying that it's necessary, but the institutions can only, it's kind of like any welfare system. An institution can only support so many people. Mm -hmm. Then everybody else has to go and figure out how, figure it out entrepreneurially. That is how America kind of works. Like if you can't get a government job and you're not going to start a business, you're going to rely on somebody else to hire you, Mm -hmm. either freelance or as a full employee. But if you don't want that employee lifestyle if you can't get a government job if you can't get an institutional job which is like like teaching at a at a school or it it, or winning a grant or or getting a residency as with a string quartet if you can't get that you have to build it Mm -hmm. or change your career Mm -hmm. and i think that's that's i don't intend to change my career and i don't think that conversation is really ever had in school i don't think it's ever had it's and never laid out what you can do. We've <clears throat> talked about this, like one of the best, <laughs> like I spent enough time begging people just to not like only go to grad school if you need it, mm-hmm. if you actually want it, and to compare grad school with real life. That's the missing conversation. It's always weighing out, well, here's my four schools. It's between my best school and then this school, and I kind of this ranked. And, and I'm like, no, 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 you need to compare your best school to real life because you're going to learn so much more in real life than you'd ever learn in school, so that school better be worth it. I drew it. I'd say it was it's worth, worth it for the it. name. Yeah. You're buying yourself the club, name. the name, the club, the, the friends, ev- the, the package. That was worth delaying two years of real life. And I think yeah. the same is with careers. Yeah. Um, it it can be perfect. You don't have to just do music. You can separate the music from your income. Uh, there was an article I literally read last night. I don't remember the author. I'll send it to you. But mm-hmm. it voices these things other people have said which is where finding a balance between their day job and actually like the value of it, the, the support it from, it's like uh, versus struggling, taking every gig you can, going to these these orchestras or these playing in these pits, playing these gigs with musicians who are all just tired, jaded, angry because they're struggling. Yes, they're making money with the music, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. And some people when they after they find that day job, 
they can be more effective because they're doing something that takes their mind off of it. So they, they have built-in break by doing something else. Mm-hmm. And they're not relying on their music. They can take risks. <clears throat> they can do the thing we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's supported by something else. Uh, the, the tricky part is that institution is it, it's not training you to take a day job and something unrelated. So it also, to again, to their defense, it, it kind of makes sense why they don't talk about it because they're training you for that very specific job of music. It's the degree is it's a music degree. It's not a uh, music after day job degree or whatever. Mm. It's not, you know, like it makes sense why they're going to focus on that niche area. But even in open conversation, it should be encouraged. You should go get a job. And not only mm-hmm. will you be supported, what could be, it might be the best thing for your career mm-hmm. to, to do something else. You could find I was, that one project and, and then you blow up and then you never yeah, have to work that was, job ever and, again. Yeah, I was an incredible, yeah. or you might still want to do it. You go full Charles Ives. Just do what you, you want You go Philip Glass. You know, he's still yeah. driving a taxi and doing plumbing. Probably Uber now. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be Uber. Uber. He was doing all that stuff and he had a commission at the Met. Like he was at the peak. He had had a lot of success and he's still driving around a taxi. And do what you want. He got, yeah, you get to do what you want. Do what you want. Um, but... It, I want to play Smash Brothers. Bro. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's true. I mean, I I we we've talked about some other people, Mindy, of 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 a classmate of mine, Hillary, who's just having immensely more success in our classical music field than me, and who's always worked a full job, like full. So like I'm, I'll complain. I've I've done a lot of part time, a lot of teaching, simultaneously, all music related with all these various music gigs, and I've been like happy about what I've done. But like she's crushing it in the field over people who do it full-time. Mm-hmm. She's getting Philly orchestra commissions, massive commissions, you know, videos, like concertos, the big, she's getting the big shit. Uh-huh. Same, same age. <laughs> she's getting the big, the big shit. shit. She gets the big shit. <laughs> and all the meanwhile, working a full-time job, not yeah. teaching at an institution, using yeah. the other times, not sweating. No, full-time, comfortable adult job. In, in admissions. And and I talked to her and I was just like, how is that? And she's like, oh yeah, like I think it's good. She somehow just does more than me and yet has way less time on the clock than yeah. I should, should. And I think there is just value and comfort, value and accomplishment. We've talked about that, that you can get from this that doesn't involve working in uh, you can have different phases music. of your life too, and I think that's really, mm-hmm. really something that I'm learning. Is is after school, I was in a phase of work workaholism yeah you know what i mean where i just needed to establish myself but now it almost killed me it almost killed me too but now i'm on the other side and i really think that i'm trying to enjoy life a little bit more i'm trying to grow as a human because what i do as an artist and what i do as a panelist at 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 conventions or what i do as a public speaker or as a social media content creator Mm -hmm. if i'm not growing and learning my content suffers like my contribution to society suffers so I think that if I were working a full-time job and I was like teaching at a university and I was trying to do all the social media stuff, I wouldn't have time to read. I wouldn't have time to build personal relationships. I wouldn't have time to really uh, feed my soul. So I think that it's also important to see that at different phases of your life, you have to do different things. Yeah, and 
uh, one of you know one of the music career OGs, Angela Beach, and she talks about a bunch of this and had brought in other people to discuss. I really need fire re- safety. I really need yes. But so she had, I need she to read was, her book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even the book, like the book, book it'll class. be the basic of the real thing is just to like, like listen into her live stream. She's just doing a lot more live streams, like every Monday, I believe every Monday, um, like something, and it's you know topic based. Releasing the articles are, are like the new bread and butter, like building a community. But one of the things also is is bringing in people who are finding a lot of success who have also worked day jobs, non music jobs. Um, having different phases of the career, different phases of their life and, and like how they balance that. And yes, you will give up something, but you might gain something that doesn't seem to be talked about. Um, Those guys as, know. as much, but, um, I want to, yeah. I want to really talk about just one last thing. Uh, and that is, I'm glad that you guys listen today. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I, I really appreciate that you guys pop in each and every week and uh, you listen. And I love when you guys DM us. Uh, that's a, that's probably our favorite thing. That's, that's one of my favorite things. When you slide in those DMs. Slide in my DMs, like, girl. Yeah, or, reach or out guy. with any, any question, yeah. in, any comments. Like, like tell like us we, you listen to pod, you like it. Like, I really... Tell us what you think about fire safety. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Fire safety in L.A. is very paramount of importance. Because we're still we're still stuck down yeah. in this bunker. And like, boomers and are, if you could find a way to get the boomers away from us, that'd be... That'd be great. That'd be great. Could you, could you swing by on your unicycle uh, <laughs> to the podcast studio? Could you uh, get keep the boomers away from our door? And while you're doing it, because it's, it's, it's 2020, baby. You got while your you're phone. on your phone, yeah. Could you give us five stars? So it's a symbol. It looks like a star, and there's five of them. They're empty now. But here's the thing: if you if you go all the way to the to the right, yeah. you press that last that star. Last one. It'll one, two, three, four, five. What? Whoa, all that, suddenly, all your dreams come true. They do, and it's 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 a good luck charm. The hair comes back. You oh, win that yeah. audition. Oh yeah, your sperm count shoots straight up. So what I want and your you student loan shoots straight down. Shoot straight down. It's it's. Equal and opposite reaction. Therefore, uh, you have heard our demands. If you do not do so, I will take Shiloh and I'll make sure he licks every single one of your nail polish caps. And his tongue is dry. Five stars. Five stars. We love you. Take care.